Welcome to Scots Radio. I'm Frida Morrison, and welcome to the programme that celebrates authenticity with the Scots language and culture, and gings into places that, well, as a programmes are, are feared to go, and <laughs> maybe for a good reason, mind you. <laughs> but we're nae feared, <laughs> and speaking about them is nae feared. I'm let me fear. let me introduce you soon, Sorter, the man that Hello. is the technical wizard on this production and are the etheries, Richie. Right. Reporting for the wheelhouse, Captain. How are we doing? You'll need your sea legs on in this episode, Richie. In this programme, we hear about a special tribute to Aberdour heroine Jane White. Jane risked her life to rescue the crew of a Dundee steamer in October 1844. Amazing story. Richie, you'll love this story. Oh, and we speak to our great-great-grandson. It's all about community in this episode. Mm. And we're focusing on the fishing community on the North Sea and a gardening community near New Haven Harbour in Edinburgh. And the international storytelling community coming together for the festival that as is our wind. As is our wind, Richie. As is our wind. We Aye. start with some music. Quite right. Just to get us into the seafaring mode, that kind of thing. This is Mered Green and Anna Massey. We are Hornpipe Medley for the album Dublin. Hornpipe medley for Mered Green and Anna Massey. You can just imagine me and Richie we were doing our sailor's hornpipe <laughs> up and down the corridor, all the way through there. Your dance is better dum -dum 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 -dum. <laughs> Okay, on the next or the 27th of October 1844 a huge storm blew up in the North Sea and the steamer, the William Hope of Dundee, was struggling to battle against the high winds and the waves. So the captain decided to run the ship ashore at New Aberdour Bay in Murrayshire. The next morning, crofter Jane White saw the ship floundering in the heavy seas and saw that the men had very little hope of getting ashore. Now, Robbie Kelman is Jane White's great-great-grandson, and I met up with Robbie in his music studio in 5E in Aberdeenshire. So Robbie tucks up the story. It was a terrible night, the 27th, and the ship, the William Hope, 
had been circling, uh, coming out of Fraserburgh, I believe, down the coast. The captain decided we better get off, get off the sea. We should maybe make for New Aberdour, I believe. It was one of the safer havens, maybe. But on the way in, uh, they had so much trouble that they decided that uh, they're going to flounder on the rocks and the best thing would be to maybe get some help. But there was no one around. But luckily, Jane White appeared the next morning when the wreck had actually hit, floundered and hit the, uh, the wee scary kind of rocks. And she saw this as she was out walking with a dog, I believe. She decided, what can I do? I can't do anything. But they were shouting for help. And so she waded out over the shingle and everything and got to within reach of a rope. It would have been fairly still stormy by that Hell of a stormy, hell of a stormy. There was a hurricane that morning. There were there was sleet and heavy gales and it was pretty awful. And thinking that uh, this woman was, uh, you know, 40 years old and a mother of eight at the time. Eight? Eight children at the time uh-huh. and one still to be born. Uh, I think it was an amazing heroic deed. So, uh, yeah, she waited out and she got thrown the rope, but the rope didn't get to her the first time round. So she managed to get hold of the rope the second time and tied it three times round her waist, apparently. Three times, and she spread her legs a little bit into mm-hmm. the sand and shingle. So she waded ashore with the, the rope she tied waited, round her. Well, she waded ashore and she came back a bit off, out towards the beach and uh, one by one with the rope round her, mm-hmm. the sailors came off, I presume one at a time, and then the sailors may have helped at the end. We don't quite know about that. Back a wee bit in there, Robbie. She, she's got the rope tied round her. Mm-hmm. She gets onto the shingle. Yeah. Did she tie the rope into something else? She tied it on first round her round her waist. As far as we know, it was not tied around any rock. So she just stood there? Yeah. And and had the sailors... Uh, we have you know, no provenance to that at all. Way across I believe so, yeah. We don't have any real records of it being wow. round a rock. We, you would think it was, but apparently um, she held... She held her, she held her body really rigid, mm-hmm. like a rock, and um, one by one they came down the rope off the, off the boat. Well, there was 15 of them. 15 it? sailors, yeah. 15 sailors, one at a time. A huge feat of strength. That's yeah. just a bravery uh, feat, oh, feat if you, of strength. Absolutely. That's why, that's why we wonder, we don't have enough information mm-hmm. about the rock. I don't think there was any rocks involved. Yeah. Nobody's ever mentioned rocks. She just stood there with the rope. She stood there. Mm. Right, so what happened next? So she got one off. Uh, she got them all off one by one. Took them on shore and took them to, to took them to her house, which was situated on the beach. There's still a ruin of this house on the beach today. Mm-hmm. And took them in and fed them, clothed them, and gave them some dry clothes. And they slept the night there. And then in the morning, they walked all the way to Fraserburgh, mm-hmm. which I think is between eight, ten, eight, and eight miles. And eventually they got back to Dundee. And they got back to Dundee. Now, was she recognised for her bravery? She was. She received a couple of medals, uh, the most important being the RNLI Silver Medal, mm-hmm. which I believe is the top medal you can give to someone in, in a civilian uh, act of bravery. That was that was given to her uh, shortly after, afterwards, and a, 20, a £10 reward, mm-hmm. which we believe, we're not quite sure, but we believe it was... Um, spent by herself in buying the croft. She managed to buy the croft. A farm servant's wife and her, and her husband uh, bought the croft and provided, a, I think, a slightly better education than she would normally have given her her flock of nine children. Uh-huh. And there was a plaque organised for the house. The plaque was well, unveiled wasn't? in 1986. I wasn't at this ceremony. I was living abroad at the time. And by one of the Fraser family, uh-huh. one of the descendants. Also, I think he was a great-grandson of hers, uh, Robert Fraser. They unveiled a plaque in 1886, and there was quite a crowd of people, I think a couple of hundred people on the shore for that mm. ceremony. Now, there's going to be an anniversary, of course. Mm-hmm. Tell us what's going to happen quite soon. That'll be on the 11th of August, one week later than the centenary, which is the 3rd of August. Of our passing. Of our passing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we needed a bit more time to, to organise things. So that will take place on the beach, just at the site of the of the ruin of the house. So we will open the ceremony with Lady Saltoon's daughter, uh, Kate Nicholson. She will make a speech and we will have members of the family from hopefully all around the world because she had, uh, she had nine children and of nine children she had then 54 grandchildren. Wow. Must have been a fair old... A fairly busy time of it. Yeah, absolutely. So there we're hoping to have quite a few of them. Uh-huh. And what would be really nice would be we're trying to track down some of the uh, descendants of the sailors. And there's going to be a, a pipes playing. Uh-huh. My cousin's wife, uh, June McLeod, Edinburgh City pipe band uh, pipe player. She will mm-hmm. she will pipe in the ceremony at the beginning. Mm-hmm. She will play the tune, the Jane White song. Now I'm coming to that. Mm-hmm. This is why we're standing here 
in this recording oh, studio in the middle of Aberdeenshire, mm. and you've composed a special tune for Jane. Yes. If it's, if it's a card, really. It's called Jane White, the Sailor's Friend. Okay. <clears throat> and far's on it? Oh, the number of people. Primarily, there's uh, the lovely Steve, uh, Steve Ransom, who's playing a lot of music on it. My cousin... Uh, Finlay, mm. pipe player, Finlay McLeod from the Edinburgh City Pipe Band. And a special choir. And a special choir, a special choir from New Aberdour, mm-hmm. the singing group. There's also Mark McLeod, uh, Finlay's brother, uh, founder member of Copper Cayley. He's playing fiddle and bass. And then there's Steve's daughter, the lovely Dana, she's singing the lead vocals. It's, it's a family affair. Family affair. There's a lot of people involved, yeah, with the family. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Sailor's Fret, written in memory of Jane White Farr risked her own life to save the crew of a Dundee steamer on the 28th of October 1844. Fit a woman, fit a story. Now, nae far along the coast fae far Jane White Bay, there's a fishing port o' Bucky. It's nae the bustling fishing port that eens it was, but it's proud o' its heritage. The Committee of the Bucky and District Fish and Heritage Museum are half a prude of their centre, and so man they be. It's full of history and stories of the days when every herber up and down that wee northeast coast was just jam-packed full of boats for end to end. And it's still a strong community today. The boats might have disappeared, but the memories have not, and the Heritage Centre keeps us in touch with the past, but... It has plans for the future. The centre has just been awarded an artist residency as part of the European Year of Cultural Heritage and the programme sets out to link artists all around the North Sea Basin, partners being Iceland, Norway, Denmark, Scotland and England. Professor Peter Reid from Robert Gordon University is the project leader at the centre and as we sat outside of the Heritage Centre and joined the sun, Peter told me more about the award. What we're doing here is we're looking at the story of the Norwegian and the Danish refugees that came out here during the war and settled in Bucky. And in fact, Bucky was kent as Little Norway because there was so many of them. And we're exploring the story of them, um, the connections. Some folk bed here, um, others went back to Norway and Denmark, often with a Scots wife. And so we're getting um, a Norwegian who's based in Denmark, he's a musician, 
and he's coming out twice um, in the next couple of months and he's going to work with us and hopefully create something out of the story of the refugees during the war. So the links are going to be set up again? They are indeed. That's exciting new. But there's, there's heaps of photographs, isn't there, about the, the Norwegian connection? The royal family and Norwegian royal family came here They well. came here. King Haakon and Crown Prince Olaf came here almost 75 years to the day. Yeah. Um, and they spent the whole day here. There was a Norwegian slip doing the doing at the fit of the bray there, which was owned by my great-grandfather, in fact, um, and his daughter married a Dane. But uh, the king and crown prince were here, and the provost was made a knight of the order of St Olaf. Uh, so there's a, a lot of connections. So back to the residency again. You've got the musician coming across. Did you ask for a musician? We asked for any artist that could help us to interpret the story. So we came that it could have been a musician, it could have been a painter, it could have been um, any sort of artist. But um, they felt that this end was the best because he was a Norwegian but is living in Denmark. So he had both the countries that we were interested in. Ah, right. So he's here for how long again? He's here for... Um, one week um, in a couple of months, and then another week um, about a month later. And you'll gingawa, write some music, he'll come back. Gingawa, write some music, and hopefully we'll get it premiered in Scotland, and who knows, we'll maybe take it to Norway and Denmark and all. And it's going to be based, well, this is the Rutota at the Heritage Centre here. It'll be based at the Heritage Centre here, and it's a residency with the Heritage Centre, um, but Murray Libraries are also on board, and they're helping us out with space and accommodation and so on. So far as our back in this? This is me wearing my university hat, but also me, Robert Gordon, Robert university. Gordon university, but also me um, as a steadfast free Nabucky fishing heritage, and it's the heritage centre itself, and with extra support for Murray Libraries. Professor Peter Reid, and my congratulations to Abdi on getting that award. This is Rod Patterson with Cole Begg singing The Shoals of Heron. With our nets and gear we're fearing On the wild and wasteful ocean It's there on the deep That we harvest and reap our bread As we hunt the bonny shores of hell It was a fine and a pleasant day Out of the Yarmouth Harbour I was fairin' As a cabin boy on a sailing lugger We were following the shoals of Heron Well, we fished the swath and the broken bank I was cooking, I had a quarter sharing there was little kindness and the kicks were many As we hunted for the shoals of Heron Oh, you're up on deck, you're a fisherman can swear and show a manly bear and take your turn on watch with the other fellas as you hunt the bonny shoals of Heron. The work was hard and the hours were long and the treatment sure it took some bearing and you'd go to sleep standing on your feet I can dream about the shoes of Terra.
Christmas in the month of June And for canny shields we soon were faring With a hundred grand of the silver darlings We'd plundered from the shoals of Erin Stormy seas and the living gales Just to earn your daily bread, your daring Sailed a million miles, caught ten million fishes As we hunted for the shoals of Erin Patterson with Colbeg and the song The Shoals of Heron. And that was taken for a Green Tracks recording, and thanks to Ian Green for that. What a great version of that song, Richie. That's yeah, absolutely brilliant. Aye. Am I not right in thinking that this kind of area of Scotland, this is your old childhood stomping ground, isn't it? Up around that coast, Bucky, Portnocky, Cullen. Aye. Oh, many's a happy time growing up there. It was lovely. I mean, in the Fisherman's Festival, it's fine to, fine to hear your hem coin. Is that right? Oh, I got a rift in my head at that. Fine to hear your hem. You know, tell me a story a while ago that you used to go and like annoy all these guys that are saving the trollers <laughs> with your, your rafties and all that. I called we you made a rafties, plague or something. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Terrorise the hill coast that we were rafties. I was like, <laughs> how Nino's got drooned in again. Rafties made of barrels with planks across and tied eye together. We came round the corner, you came for the, the bow like fiddle. Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> Robin, round the corner, the bow fiddle like pirates paddling with rafties. <laughs> Oh, anyway, I couldn't get in by the Buckingham District Fish and Heritage Centre. I thought seeing the exhibits and the model boats in particular, all oh, my boats, and far better to guide me around them than the retired skipper, Eric Smith the Bucky. First, when did he start at the sea? 1948, 14 year old. 14. 14. Cook and my parents' boat, the Rising Sea, and uh, Cooking for ten men uh, and killing the rope. We was hauling the nets. Uh, that was life. That was my life. So did you do with the ropes, killing? Killing. I the rope, the bottom rope. I attached to the net, and I was fast for it with a mate, and uh, start the the hail the the rope in. There's a diagram here. Look. There's a boat line, these nets. Aye. The leader rope coming down. Mm-hmm. Now this was attached to 80 nets. 80? 80, maybe 90, Aye. over a mile. And at the top was a float. But back to boats again, Eric. Mm-hmm. You started off in, uh, did you start off in the, the, the steamboat? Yes, the Rising Sea. Aye. That was Heron, wasn't it? Yes. Was that Heron? Well, all Heron. Aye. A wooden boat. So, how, how long were you at sea at the Nivery trip? Well, you went f- just fishing for Heron just during the night and you was at the port every day. Oh, see, it was a daily thing. Yes. Aye. Aye. But you must have got big, big catches, big, big shots. Oh, yes, aye. Hard work. Aye. Aye. So, you took a man by and there was women on the, the quay. Yes. They didn't got them, but mm-hmm. you couldn't have went to... Well, the earlier you were, the better the market for freshen, oh. for people, for kippers, for oh. fresh, to Yarmouth especially. Oh. The amount of heron, fresh heron, iced, of what I do to, to London, to the London market. Oh, you know? sorry. Mm-hmm. It's a big trade, though. Big, big but, business. But, but it was overfished, wasn't it? It, it? it was a point for... It hit the stop. Yes. Photograph there, over a thousand boats before the Second World War in Great Yarmouth. A thousand? Over a thousand ships chasing her. 
Something had to happen. Well, very gradually. Look at everything, they overfished, you see. So the drifter, this is a drifter. This is a drifter here. And that's what you were on. Aye. The living quarters off. It was gas, like carbine gas. And then you hardly seen daylight. For the drifters, was it? Was it the Zulu? Got a the Zulu. Zulu, there you are, there's a Zulu. Right. I can remember a Zulu, a few Zulus, and they had re put on small engines mm -hmm. again, and then they had a wheel hose again, slightly right. modernised, and a carbon. Like you were saying earlier, you couldn't understand before the engines and the Zulus. How did they stop going so fast coming into the harbour? Well, they had a drag, like a flute. It affixed to the stern and that slowed the boat down. A drag, like a, like a funnel, Aye. canvas. Again. And that oh. slowed the boat down. Again. Goodness, have I, have I wanted to do that? And I manoeuvred so with oars. Yes. But the, the, the rowdoot. Mm -hmm. The rowdoot. Or sometimes in the big boats, a steam, like a tug. Aye. Would haul all the boats out in line and let go. So they would all come out in a line. Yes. And then it was the scaffy for that, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Is there a scaffy in here somewhere? Where's the scaffy? The scaffy. But the nets themselves developed a lot over the years, didn't they? The different. I mean, I'm speaking about before they had the sonar or the echometer. Echometer. Or even radar, mm -hmm. you know. But my grandfather, they used to go for the colour of the water. No. And the gonnet, the seagull, the go, the goes, yeah, playing. And this was uh, my grandfather, in the serious. He didn't bother with an echometer. He just went. He was all fashioned with taste again. And you watched the seagulls and the gonnets. Well, when you were steaming, you see, if, if you come in. Like a bruni, the blue, the bruni again, a thick water. It was their instinct. It was here and there. See, that's just lost now, isn't it? I know, I know. That's with the style. All that I had in a drifter when I went to sea was a wheel for steering, a compass, and the controls for the engine room. That's all you had. And now the modern ships, you can't get moved for all the equipment. Technology. Yes. For the boats, when they were on the Zulus, the sailboats, for the day there. Well, they must have been a compass, can. Because I mean, as the fog came down, they've had it, isn't it? Well. How did it get for that? I know, but I mean, it was great. We once went down to the Olapool. Well, a big shot of heron, and the merchant said, "If you go down to Oban and unload, you get so much more a crown." So we did this, and it was full of the water going through all the channels, and I couldn't have believed the skill, the navigation. Of course, you had your Olson's book, and all the the. The foghorns, the voyage, and we're doing an unloaded. It was wonderful, the navigation. And near an accident. Near the remain. Nothing. Mm-hmm, yes. Folk would hardly believe that you could do that. I know, I know. So we've got the scaffy. It was a forest scaffy then, Eric. Oh, the fifey. The scaffy, the fifey. Aye. And the Zulu. Aye. And steam. Aye. Steel. Aye. And... Wood. Yeah. Why hear about the big storms and how folk can mm -hmm. manage to get through the big storms? Yes. You must have seen a fair amount of big storms. Mm -hmm. and a, was there any ones worse than others? Well, I remember the worst lump of water I ever saw was off at the Lingbank and went down to deeper water instead of coming in and land and shallow. Went down to deeper water, and we got up for the forecast at five to two, and was waiting. My cousin James, my son, and me, 
How many generations of fishermen in your family? Well, I'm just only left. I'm a father. We had a bad accident in 1964. It was run down by a Polish trawler. Mm -hmm. And uh, my father was lost, my uncle was lost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we built the Rodella. Roda, my wife, uh -huh. my mother, Ella. You built the Rodella. And this is what we got the new boat. Uh, right. See, our life was brought up repairing nets. Mm -hmm. yeah. Learning to splice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Falling needles for the women. Yeah. My mother and her sisters, everybody meant. And then they all went to the fishing. To, they broke up the cotton. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, it was all centered around that. Then boats. Yeah. Men in boats. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody said the other day that it was the women that kept that thing going. Oh, yeah. And uh, of course the wee bit, as you said, they mended the nets, Yes. they right, got it to right, fish, right, right, broke right. up the burns, right. kept that's the roost. Right, that's right. That was life. That was life. Hobby. Carried the fishermen out to their boats in the, in the days yes, of the no. days. My wife wouldn't care of me. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go into that. No. <laughs> Eric, thank you for doing this. No, it's no. been a pleasure. No, that was just my life. I enjoyed my life. And I was there learning. Yeah. Yeah. Skipper Eric Smith Fibuckin. I can't put it better than that. This is Silla Fisher singing Far Would Be a Fisherman's Wife. Far would be a fisherman's wife to gang to the muscles with scrubber and the knife. A deed of fire and a revel bed, what the scops in the morning? See the boat come beating in with a three fan for sailing. Lay a stitch on his back, wanted the scalps in the morning. Ella Fisher, Far Would Be a Fisherman's Wife, for the album Singing the Fish, and yeah, my favourite tracks. I know Richie for that time ahead up at my old stomping ground room, the, the Herbers in that wee northeast corner, oh. and fit hospitality I got for Aberdeen, fine pieces and fine folk. Thank you for making me feel well still at home. Home is important. Funny thing, Richie, you can. When you grow up near the sea, you canna gang o'er far awa fate. It's a funny thing, gets into your blood, you can. Totally and the raft is nothing. 
Well, we'll be marking a special edition of my trip round the Herbers and speaking to a few mare skippers and hearing their stories. And fit a time ahead, as I said. And I'll keep you posted about that special edition. And we're putting up some uh, never-a-foreseen 40s, black and white 40s, of that area. And the Herbers, full of boats, they're crackers. So, as I said, I'll keep you posted about that. Now, from a fishing community to another. The Herber at New Haven, doing at least, is Wheel Kent with a history of the, the Bowtow Fishers. And the, the Al Chain Pier. He came for a me and Richard oh, Al Chain Pier. Oh, I can the Al Chain Pier. That's the bass But f- isn't that quite so wheel kent about? Is the Starbank Garden just across the road for the Al Chain Pier. It's just been awarded a prestigious UK Community Award. And Janet MacArthur, chairman of Friends of Starbank, and he gave the Stan Dunlop, invited me to celebrate their award at their special Bubble Day Festival and she ruined the garden. Teen back to life for a meneer, just a meneer. Mm. I can't even tell you how bad it was, but Jinx. they took this hill garden back to life. Before the throngs arrived, Janet gave me the background to Starbank Park and the hoose. Well, from what I know, it was built in sort of the late 1820s by Alexander Golan, who was a local merchant in Leaf at the time. And it had lots of famous connections. So it looks a kind of a Gothic mansion. It's beautiful. He was, his son, was a Walter Golan, was a cousin of the Prime Minister Gladstone. Mm. So a lot of famous people have come and gone here. It hasn't always been a beautiful park laid out with rose beds and herbs and lavender. It's been, when it was first built, there's a tennis court here um, and behind was a more formal garden. There's been cottages down in the steep part of the park. It's it's had um, various different layouts, but it was designed by George Simpson. All right. So... Just describe what we're looking at. <laughs> I'm hearing a shout of, yeah. of I think it was paying somebody can, we're, we're setting, setting up, up yes. setting up bunting down there. I think they're all right though. Yes, they're putting the tables together. So they always get nipped fingers with yes, them. Yes, they're quite dodgy. <laughs> um, no, we're looking on. We're at the back of the park by the wall, and we're looking onto Starbank House. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a two-story villa, and uh, each in front of it are lots of different shaped beds. There's her bed, there's round beds with um, roses in them, half moons, crescents, and a, a centrepiece of a willow structure, which will soon be replaced by the original sundial again. You're getting a sundial back? Yes, the sundial's coming back. You see, there was nothing here to begin with, was there? No, no, it was absolutely nothing. It was, things have been stolen over the years, and I, I recently read there used to be a water fountain by the gate as you enter as well, but after the wall collapsed a couple of years ago and was rebuilt, that water fountain was never put back. I don't know where it went, but it had a lion's head, I read, so that was quite interesting. Mm. So far designed it, Janet? The whole garden here? Yeah. Oh, it's a mixture of us all. Um, I'm always, I've been a keen gardener, so I did the herb beds, so I'm particularly proud of those, and I've uh, just... My own imagination ran away with me with the raised um, bay trees. And we, we didn't have money for the bay trees to begin with. And we went down to the Starbank Inn and someone actually gave us £80 out of their own pocket well, for those. I, mean, I, love the, I love using, uh, for the king gardeners, Nepita. You've yes. used that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's Well, it's, it attracts all the bees and butterflies. It's absolutely incredible. So it's a good floaty backdrop, isn't it? To, right. Sets things off. The roses are looking spectacular. But I mind coming in here when during the during the, the cherry time, and the hill garden is covered in pink. It is. The ground's covered in pink with the blossom falling. Trees are just absolutely laden with blossom, and it is a delight to, to it's, see it. It's absolutely beautiful. It's always the first week in May, so I can tell you it'll be like the sixth, seventh of May, and it doesn't really vary. So if we're mm. having an event like the we have the cherry blossom tea party each year. Um, we kind of book it for that Saturday and we know it's going mm-hmm. to... But it, it's always at the last minute, they open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, And they open right along, all at the same time, up all the way up to Lauriston Castle, where it has a Japanese wow. garden as well. Yep. And that, I was at the building of that Japanese garden beautiful. a few years ago. It's beautiful. And you've you've uh, had a momentous occasion and a momentous event this week as well. Tell us about yes. that. Yes. Uh, well, we were down at Woburn Abbey at the Horticultural Custodian um, Awards, Hort Week, um, where we actually won UK's Best Neighbourhood Park. UK? UK. <laughs> we can't believe it ourselves. We know we can't we have to pinch ourselves. All four of us went down 
and we, we were in shock. You know, it was just like we had butterflies in our tummy. Um, we just started, still can't believe it, you know, but we're holding our heads up high here and it's kind of it's brilliant for all the volunteers and everybody that's given their time and love it's and passion for to the it. community yes hey yes. amazing Jen. i'm watching stan mm-hmm. uh, stan dunlop yes yeah. he's amazing your head gardener yes how long has stan been here he's carrying tables at the moment oh he's lived in this house and the top of the house since the 1960s he's done various different things throughout his life you know he's been a gardener a chauffeur a children's nurse um, he even shuffled coal in the, for the, the steam engines going down the coast. You know, he's got a story about everything. And he's been a great gardening mentor to me, you know, mm. um, and very supportive. And uh, we've arranged to meet him. And he's bothy. He's got a bothy, isn't he? Yes. He's got a Yes, the, that was his old sort of hut, which we've um, converted into a little meeting room and somewhere to hide out of the rain on um, volunteer days in the winter. Nice speaking to you, Janet. Thanks, Peter. So the tables were set, the bunting was up and the bubble machines were working and with the harp set in the scene, a time to join Stan in the bothy before the throngs arrived. Right Stan, here we are in your bothy, it's called Stan's bothy, isn't it? Ah, it's Stan's bothy. So how long have you been here? 47 years. Aye. He used to call it um, the Garden of Eden. Seed everything about the place, you know. It was relaxing, it was colourful, the roses were there, the house was well maintained, the atmosphere was good, and uh, in the olden days, there was a permanent gardener, uh-huh. and the park keeper worked between Victoria Park and here. So that's the history up Aye. to the present But time. you see, we're looking at pictures in here, Aye. and there's uh, a photo up here, where are we, we bit you standing? There's a photo of opening of Devil and Fountain, 1910. Yeah. And they're standing there with the bonny frocks on and the, the man is with the top hats on. And their moustaches. And their moustaches, aye. Mm. These are the days, eh? So the Devlin, so Thomas Devlin. Uh, he was you, in charge of a big fishing fleet. Uh, he was seemingly along the coastline here. Mm-hmm. They're all owners of ships and Mm-hmm. besides the fishing fleets. So the character all resembled all what the people thought about the place. Mm-hmm. And this is why they thought the statue would be significant with the sea and with the people in commemoration of all the hard work. That and the, 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 the fishermen donated, was it a penny or a shilling? Yeah, I think it was actually a penny it at was that a penny, time. Aye. At that time, but, their wages. But uh, it was Thomas Devlin that took it out of their aye, wages. Aye, aye, So <laughs> he was quite a crafty Scotsman, as oh, the saying goes, right, you know. Aye. You see, doing it there, there's 19 Starbuck around mm. 1910, and then you got Starbuck around the 1950s. Aye. Nay as colourful as it is today. No, it's really more colourful today with the herbs and the. And the, 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 the time has changed quite a lot, the profile, the colours. You know, with all this uh, different breeds of flowers that was across across Maine. It, it really is really bonny. See, I saw this poster up mm. in the local shop near uh-huh. that land, well, a few years ago. Uh-huh. What a great idea. And I watched this mm. garden grow into the test. Mm. And you've got an award yes, in the community yeah. park, UK, uh, not even yeah. Scotland, UK. Uh, well, we Just really well. But I think the most uh, encouraging thing about it is when you get strangers, complete strangers, come in and uh. discover the top part, the part, uh. bottom parts. Nice. You could see the bottom part uh, of the road. Yeah, that's right. And the bus and the wall. People who lived here 17, 18 years have all seen the bottom part. But they didn't care about the top part. The top part. part. And when they come in the double gates, uh. it's like another world. Can we go into the, uh, yeah. to, to the garden just here, one or about? So I, I was telling Janet that I used to come down here during the... Um, the cherry blossom time. Aye, yeah. that's right. Oh, oh Stan is not neighbourhood. Aye, a lovely party then. The tables are all decorated with Aye. cut so much of the cherry blossom off. And the great thing about it now, it's not like it's uh, it's like a, a the group themselves arrange all the things that take place. And it's a combined effort, and that's it. I think that's what makes some. It's a community it, thing. Yeah, when it's teamwork, oh. and uh, it, uh, one idea can phone to another idea. And by the time it was go, got round, mm-hmm. it can be broadened to a greater aspect. But uh, just, color. just look at it, Stan. It's I just know, insane. It's bonny. The colours. Oh, I was yeah. saying to uh, Janet, my favourite plants mm. for um, 
Beganuta border, isn't it, Peter, in that Aye. Fatment. Oh. And with the greens and oh, the aye. roses, and the, the trees, colours, look the trees, trees, look at the beautiful trees. Aye, that sycamore then is a, oh, that's just a, amazing this year. Aye. And this is a special, it seems to be a special re- year for roses. Huh? Never the heads on them. I noticed that with me enough. You know, noticed that. My roses the are The heads on them aye. are terrific, you know. I had a and great show. I'm still having a great show aye. of roses different times of the year. Comes alive. <laughs> and it's the old saying, it's people that make it come alive. Well, uh, just another, another half hour. This place mm. is going to be full of bairns and yeah, bubbles, so, uh, that bubbles and excitement. Uh, and, and it's going to be, it's quiet just uh, now. Uh, I'm just putting up the tables uh, in the bun thing. Uh, but we'll look forward to the bubbles, uh, eh? Ah, it's a great oh, it's a time. pleasure speaking to you. Ah, it's a pleasure talking to you. And it's a pleasure that you're doing so much for Starbank. My pleasure, Stan. Stan Dunlop at Starbank Gerden and earlier Chairman Janna MacArthur. Congratulations again, folks. And thanks for the invite. This is Gary West and Wendy Stewart for their album Hinterlands. This is the Gordon Cottage set. Richie, that is in the best. That is absolutely broad. Uh, Gary West and Wendy Stewart with the Gordon Cottage set. Richie, Starbank Garden. Starbank Garden. Burns. I'll need to bring them down. Need to bring them down. Visit the the Burns, the Starbank Garden. Sniff all the herbs. Aye. You get an incredible view over the Fourth Estuary from there. You did, didn't you? And you can see the Fourth Estuary. That was for, can't remember, King it was, used to kind of tuck his boat in there to to take off the oysters. Is that right? Just off, aye. The Altrain Pier. And the strawberries for East Trinity Road, believe it or not. They used to grow a lot of (gasps) strawberries up there. No way. Aye. I didn't care. I cannot. I can tell you what. Aye. Aye. 
Now, we're now going out of the garden for the next topic, because it's all connected. Oh, aye. The Scottish Storytelling Centre has just released the programme for this year's International Storytelling Festival, and it's a cracker. It's entitled Growing Stories, and features storytellers and gardens throughout Scotland, in connection with the charity Open Gardens, one of the biggest charities in Scotland. So far better to speak about that's being planned for growing stories than the place of growing, the garden. So I joined the Storytelling Centre's marketing and communications manager, Lindsay Corr, in the garden at Starbank on that bubble day. And as we sat on the bench in the sun watching the bairns and the families enjoy themselves run about, Lindsay told me that it was being planned for the festival this year. This year the title of the Storytelling Festival is Growing Stories. Uh, it is our 30th year and it is the perfect theme to encompass a few different key points that are being brought through the storytelling art form this year. Growing Stories works on two levels. We're growing stories in the same way as gardens, so there's a lot of garden storytelling this year. Which is why we're sitting here in this beautiful Starbuck garden and enjoying the, the, the scenery and the, the company of the, all that congregation, just the community getting together here. Exactly, that's, that's a massive, massive part of the storytelling festival. Not only do we programme events that we want people to come along to and experience storytelling, but there's countless opportunities for communities to create their own events and involve storytelling and to do storytelling themselves because everyone is capable of telling stories as we we can see now everyone having a good old blether in the sunshine and it's lovely to see especially in this day and age when all you hear is about indoors and you know technology taking over that actually at the heart of community it is all about getting together in open spaces hopefully with glorious weather like we've been blessed with today and just enjoying chatting and having a blether I'm just watching two little lassies across there look they're jumping onto the uh, is it the tree trunks yeah like it's like step that's like they're playing stepping stones but it's um it's circular tree trunks uh, a nice so, display open open gardens has uh, got involved with the Storytelling Centre as well. Tell us about that. Uh, Open Gardens, we're speaking to Donald Smith, who is the um, festival director, and they realised that there was a kinship between storytelling and garden spaces, and obviously the use of storytelling to bring people to the space as well as open up uh, the elements of what they're looking at in the space by learning about the nature around them. So the idea was to have a series of um, storytellers in open gardens telling stories about that place, about the local lore of the place as well as the um, bushes, trees, etc, nature, wildlife that is akin to that local atmosphere. But the, the, the idea of getting children involved in, in gardens and listening to the, the Celtic tales of, of nature is a fascinating path to explore. That's very, going to be very exciting for everybody. Right, now, apart from the Open Gardens of Charity getting involved in this, what else has been involved in the, the new Storytelling Festival? Yep, so there's growing stories from the garden aspect because stories like gardens need nurtured and cared for. But the dual meaning of growing stories this year is there is a focus on Celtic and Irish folklore. So there is a series of events within the main programme that is focused on the giants. So you're going to be hearing tales of Finn McCool, and his clever, clever wife. So, and then we'll also hear about um, the the Scottish counterparts and their 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 epic battles over the over the sea. And of course, uh, I know that Janet MacArthur and her team are are wanting to get involved in the festival, mm-hmm. as well, which is a lovely link to the community again for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we have a main program that we program, but one of the biggest things that is part of the storytelling festival is we want community involvement. Um, we have a local campaign, as we title it, and a festival on tour. And obviously we're in, we're in Edinburgh, we're Edinburgh-based, um, but the Storytelling Festival we want to take beyond just the capital city, so we make sure that we are connected with people regionally who are locally connecting with the community and making sure that there's storytelling available, tying into to that year's theme of the Storytelling Festival and giving them inspiration. So that's what's going on, and this garden is perfect for, obviously, the theme this year of growing stories. I mean, this 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 is this is a this is a community day storytelling festival event. Just without any storytellers here today, unfortunately. Maybe I'll have a go myself in a bit. <laughs> try it, yeah. Good on you. And I bet I'm going to introduce it to Janet MacArthur and a few of the, the team as well. But nuts and bolts. When does the festival start, and how do folk get more information, and how do they get involved? The 
the festival runs from the 19th to the 31st of October mm-hmm. uh, and there is an advanced programme online now so you can have a look at what is coming up and we'll be announcing all the local um, events and the festival and tour details from September. And you can find out all the details at www.trackscotland, that's T-R-A-C, scotland.org. Right. So, without further ado, as they say, let me lead you through the throng to meet Jana MacArthur. Fantastic. Lindsay Corr through the Scottish Storytelling Centre. And yawns a special programme for the International Storytelling Festival, I can tell you. 19th to the 31st of October. Growing story, Richie. That's amazing. That's plant great. new, plant new. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Growing story is a good title. So, after my wallachin fee, a end of the country to another, we've reached the Inothisk edition. Say community to community, and long may they thrive. Communities and the volunteers are the backbone of our culture and our country. Richie, eh? Oh, absolutely. 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 Where we view the people? Right. And as a tribute to the team and the volunteers and the staff at this year's North Atlantic Fiddle Convention, staged in Aberdeen with the Elphinstone Institute, Aberdeen University, we finished this programme with a track for Alistair Fraser and Natalie Haas. They finished off the final concert in Aberdeen in grand style. Oh, Richie, for the concert that was. Oh, for the concert that was. I'll be playing a few more tracks for the artists in a later episode. Oh, the Galathians. <gasps> You'd have loved the Galathians. Oh. Full of energy and life and joy Can't and rhythm and everything. Oh, fit <laughs> rhythm. That's for later. <gasps> Where I was, me the loon and a great lot mayor saying cheerio for the bottom of the stair. We've, we've, we've enjoyed walking <laughs> through the end of the country for another. Right I'll, doing I'll, the I'll sea for the boots. <laughs> I bet you had your, your seafaring boots on. I have, I have. Aye. <laughs> so this is Alistair and Natalie for their album, In the Moment. This is us, In the Moment. Aye. This is Alien Kayleigh, which is a fitting tribute as well. <laughs> I've been to any of them, not that long ago. Cracking it. Really? You'd have loved it. Fair oh, right. you'd have loved Alien Kayleigh. You've been an alien. So, are you ready? I'm ready. For you and me? For you and me. <gasps> Bye, Bye, new. new. 